Hello, dear listeners. Uh, you're tuned to CKUT 90.3 FM on the dial www.ckut.ca on the internet. On the Blue Nile in Ethiopia, construction is underway on the Renaissance Dam, a public works project of gigantic physical proportions and intense political negotiations. The four billion grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam would tower over 500 feet. When completed, it will be the largest dam in Africa and will generate up to 6,450 megawatts of energy. If you're not an engineer, you cannot figure how much this is, but it's very large. The Renaissance Dam amounts to a test. So, with water becoming precious enough to be the stuff of war, can nations find ways to share it? The nations concerned are Egypt, Sudan, and Ethiopia. The project, which started in 2011, right at the time of the Arab Spring, is moving presently towards completion. And a recent joint declaration of principle by the leaders of Egypt, Ethiopia, and Sudan pledges cooperation and, quote, no significant downstream harm. This is critical given that the dam will control nearly two-thirds of the water on which Egypt depends. In fact, I could say that for Egyptians, it's a matter of life or death by thirst. But for the cooperation between the nations to be meaningful, these free countries will need serious technical analysis, poor assessment of such matters as the variability of annual rainfall or minimum flows required to maintain downstream water quality could undermine a decent agreement, leading to conflict of unpredictable intensity. That's because the flow of the Nile is climatic roulette. It experiences periods of plentiful water and periods of extended drought. And it always has been so. Remember the story, both in the Bible and the Quran, of seven years of plenty and then seven years lean years. But now the stakes are even higher. Egypt's population is over 90 million and growing fast. That country's Aswan High Dam, downstream from the Ethiopian Dam, helps to moderate the fluctuations. But a second large dam and its reservoir higher upriver are going to complicate things. Egypt now receives virtually all of its water from the Nile, about 60 billion cubic meters a year, slightly above the amount provided in its treaty agreement with Sudan. That amounts to the withdrawal of 700 cubic meters per capita per year. Just to get an idea, compare it that with California, which annually withdraws 1,400 cubic meters per capita from multiple sources. And you understand just how scarce and precious the Nile's water is to Egypt's welfare. Not surprisingly, Egypt is said to be a gift of the Nile. The monsoon rains in Ethiopia that will feed the new dam come mainly during just three months. So by storing that water, the new dam will moderate and smooth out the flow of the Blue Nile, the 900-mile-long headstream of the Nile itself. It will also generate huge amount of electricity, the sale of which could finance much-needed development in Ethiopia.
Now let's look at the other country involved. Sudan will benefit by using the more stable flow of water from the new dam to raise its agriculture productivity. This will allow Sudan, which sits between Ethiopia and Egypt, to finally employ its full treaty allotment of river water, which in turn will reduce what is available to Egypt. So the big loser really is Egypt. It is clear that a cooperative agreement among Ethiopia, Sudan, and Egypt is needed to avoid conflict and downstream harm. This includes agreement on what amounts to, quote, significant harm, given that in the past Egypt has been willing to go to war to protect its water. As we said, it's a matter of life or death. All three countries tend to benefit if they work together. The dam's huge storage capacity could help both Sudan and Egypt during drought years. And if Egypt were to agree to buy the power that the new dam will generate in Ethiopia, then Ethiopia will benefit economically from stored water. Here is where the technical issues will be critical. In 2014, the Abdel Latif Jamil World Water and Food Security Lab at the MIT convened experts on Nile Basin water resources. They pointed out that management of a river system with multiple dams required sophisticated management with a shared knowledge base and scientific modeling framework. The hard negotiations ahead to achieve detailed agreements on such things as reservoir operation policy, power trading, dam safety and irrigation practices will require that foreign policy and water experts from each of the three countries have a shared understanding of the technical issues and a willingness to compromise. In May 2015, the three countries engaged technical consultants to assist with these problems, but that arrangement has since collapsed over disagreements about project management. It behoves the international community to help through support of regional efforts like the Nile Basin Initiative to build scientific and engineering coordination and knowledge among the free countries, provide impartial expertise, set up a management system, and perhaps offer a process to resolve disputes. The dam could exacerbate shortages between the shortages because as the reservoir behind it fills up, the Nile water levels could drop by 25% for up to seven years. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi is pressuring Ethiopia to slow down the timeline for filling up the reservoir, but talks between the two countries are stalled. Ethiopia's drive to complete the project, which the government is funding entirely, echoes the attitude of Egypt when it built the Aswan High Dam in the 1960s. Analysts say, you look back at the old footage from a few decades ago in the 60s when Egypt was building the Aswan Dam, and you see the kind of nationalism, the kind of we are behind the project, this is our country, we will do it. So we are facing this kind of political situation as well. For years, Egypt was rightly criticized for abusing its Nile water. Such recklessness has changed recently. 
A more constructive water policy has started to evolve with planned desalination projects and local media adverts encouraging people to cut water consumption in view of the current shortage. Are Egypt diplomatic's effort and its new water preservation policies enough to save the country from a looming water crisis? Unfortunately, analysts agree that the answer is no. And Ethiopia simply has no incentive to compromise. So the, lead, the Egyptian leadership needs to consider changing its approach. First of all, enough with the usual secrecy. Things have to be done in the open. Egypt has remained tight-lipped on all the details of disagreement. But now nego that negotiations have failed, it is time for Egyptian authorities to come up in, out in the open and discuss the crisis. Second, engaging the international community. This is something that concerns all of us. A water dispute between two African countries may seem trivial in comparison to other global conflicts, but we need here international mediation and pressure to convince Ethio the Ethiopian leadership to forge a fair deal for all concerned. Third, the dreaded military option. Is Egypt going to war against Ethiopia for water? I mean, this is the life of so many over 90 million Egyptians. Anyway, the desire to secure Egypt's water supply is not new. Let's recall the Khedive Ismail tried to invade Ethiopia twice in 1875 and 1876, but the Egyptian troops were badly defeated. Underestimating the terrain and lack of appreciation among soldiers of the purpose behind the war were the main reasons behind the defeat. Anyway, it's the military option would be really the last resort and not encourage at all. We should find some other ways to compromise. And it has become increasingly clear that Ethiopia is playing for time, creating facts on the ground, and that will be hard to reverse. So we'll see what happens. Stay tuned with us. This is CKUT. I'm Sama Elibiari. Yeah, I think, I think it's really hard for us to imagine the millions of people who are all dependent upon this one river. I mean, it's what, like 11 countries or something? Well, in ancient time, the Nile was considered to be a god. And yes, it has exactly. always been exactly. a gift to Egypt. Unfortunately, people have not respected the river. And it's in a way mistreating it. The, the river now is something, and I'll say, dying. And you, you can see it. there's no respect for water. There's no water-saving policy. And even the figure that they mentioned, 700 cubic feet per capita per year, is not evenly distributed. So you see now uh, new compounds advertising swimming pools with... <laughs> whereas people don't have water to drink in the summer. So really, the, the situation is dire. And what about climate change, Sama? How's, how's it's that It's very much affecting Egypt. So now there are torrential rains, unexpected torrential rains, and uh, uh, periods of drought. So this also has to be taken into consideration. And I don't think that the government is doing enough 
in addition to the growing population, which is a disaster <laughs> in itself. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is part of it, isn't it? The sort of lack of birth control, planning, lack of, planning, lack of health services planning. also. Yes. Health services, education, every, everything. Yes, yeah, so they're, they're, they're having these lots and lots of kids, which of course... And, and this compounds the problem. Now, Ethiopia also has a growing population, and this is why they are saying we need development. Uh, so it is in the right to, to claim the development. So n now they're, they're really having uh, the, the tap, the water, and uh, they can open it and close it at will if they wish. Yes, and it's really hard for us here. We're in privileged North America really to imagine what it's like not to have electricity, not to absolutely. have water. I mean, why shouldn't they have it too? Yes, absolutely. So in the summer, we shower twice, and I almost feel guilty when I do that, when I think that people don't have water to drink. People don't even have water to drink. Yes, and th this is why I wanted so much to share with our listeners this story that has not been talked about uh, here, to my knowledge, but uh, which is very crucial for Africa. Well, it's crucial for the world. Uh, absolutely, because some people say, oh, well, it's happening far away, so why should we bother? And the word now is interconnected. You, we are not uh, isolated as we would like to be, and there, we should not be isolated. We should be concerned. Well, I don't remember reading anything about the Renaissance Dam. Anyway, I'll certainly look out for it and scour the pages of the newspaper, but I'm not expecting there to be too many articles. So it's, it's really great that you've... You've given us some information. Thank Samuel. you. So this is all what our time allows us today for the Renaissance Dam, and we hope we'll be talking more about it in the future. Thank you for inviting me.